And our passage this morning is a continued reading in the book of Genesis, where we continue in the life of Abram. Abram and Sarai are these flawed individuals, and they really fit in well in our church because we're all flawed individuals too. And they succeed for a while and they mess up for a while, but in it all, we're reminded that God is faithful to them. And so this morning, we just read two verses out of Genesis 17. And we read these words. That when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Now, hopefully after we've talked about this a little bit, this will be as fond of a passage to you as it is to me. Because there's so much in those two verses. So much that this morning I'm calling the message, it's never too late. I remember, I think it was 1986. I was living in Lowell and I had an opportunity to go see the Boston Celtics. I believe probably what had happened at that time is my sister Lenora used to work for an ad agency that she used to be able to get me tickets, and so I didn't have to pay for them, which was awesome as a young pastor and seminary student. But I remember a lot of the details of that day. It had been snowing, and I got in my car over to the train station in Lowell, and I got on a train, and I took it to the Boston Garden. It was there we watched the game, and at the end of the basketball game, I was supposed to catch the train back up to Lowell, but I wanted to buy a CD. And there was a Strawberries Records in North Station, so I got my ticket, and I got back on the train, and it was the last train going back to Lowell, and I looked, and I thought, oh, I have enough time to go buy myself a CD. I don't remember what the compact disc was, but, you know, why not? So I got off the train and I went over to the Strawberries Records and I bought my CD. And then I went back and I got back on the train and I thought, wait a second, they just took my credit card and my license. I'm not sure they gave it back to me. And I opened up my billfold and in panic I realized I hadn't and I sprinted off the train back into North Station, back to the Strawberries Records, knowing that that train was the last one to pull out and I asked the person, And, of course, they weren't in any hurry. I'm not sure if you left your credit card and license here. And they opened a drawer that was just full of cards. And I thought, wow, I'm not the only one. And I said, let me look through it. Scrambled, grabbed them, took off. The train was pulling out of North Station. And I ran and jumped on the train and got home. Sometimes we can feel like we're late. Sometimes we can have that panic. Oh my goodness. But it's not just that it happens with trains. It happens in our lives. We think that we missed something. We think the opportunity is past. We think we're too old. We think we've done too much. We think that everybody's in front of us. But the text reminds us this morning, with God, time doesn't matter. It's we who put those things in our minds. It's we who think that it's too late for us. Notice how old Abram was. How old was he? 
That's old, folks. He could have been sitting in his rocking chair in the assisted living out in Galilee somewhere saying, you know, time's passed me by. I'll just enjoy things from here on out. But instead, the scripture said that when he was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. Abram and Sarai are the first time in scripture that we really learn about time. And it doesn't matter to God. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter if I think the time has passed me by. Because with God, it doesn't matter. We hear the same thing about Hannah, who thinks the time has passed her by and everybody else has had a child and she can't have a child, so she goes and she prays in the temple and Eli the priest comes over and thinks she's drunk because of the way she's talking and she goes, no, I'm just troubled and she prays and Eli says, don't worry, it's not too late with God, he's heard your prayers and Samuel is born. The guy who gets to anoint kings didn't just have a child. She has one of the major people in Israel's history. And of course, when you go forward, there's other stories, but think of the story we love to tell before Christmas of Mary, who she has all of her life before her because she's a young girl. But as the announcement of the angel Gabriel is given to her, he says, remember, Sometime in the future, they're going to have Facebook, and people are going to post things like this. But young Mary, you're too young and too early. You don't live in the Facebook era. And sometime in the future, they're going to have cell phones, and people are going to text news like this, but you're too early. So I want you to believe me. Even though your cousin has not posted it on Facebook, she's an old lady. And she thought it was too late for her to have a child. But she's pregnant and she's going to have a baby. So I want you to travel over and go see her. And go see Elizabeth and be encouraged that she and Zechariah learned that with God it's never too late because time doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what her past was. Doesn't matter that they hadn't had a child before because go witness the miracle that God has done. With God, time doesn't matter. We're the ones who mess our minds up and think that, oh, it's too late, or, oh, everybody else has something and I can't have it, and, wow, if I just made decisions earlier in my life. And God says, you're just messing with your brain because you're forgetting that I'm God. And what you want to do in your life or what God wants you to do in your life can still happen. That's why we have stories in America of people like Colonel Sanders who, in check, he's got a chicken place here in town, but it wasn't always that way. He was a little kid when his father died, and little Colonel Sanders, I don't know they called him Colonel back then, I can't remember his first name, had to help cook for his younger siblings, and he was only seven years old. And then he was sort of a troubled kid, and he had all kinds of problems, and eventually he went into the military. And in the military, he got an honorable discharge, but afterwards, he became a failed banker. He had all kinds of things that went wrong, but he always remembered that he learned to cook when he was a kid. And so he decided maybe he should take this recipe that he had and see if he could sell it somewhere because he had the idea of maybe having a chicken place where he sold his chicken. 
We went to about 1,900 companies, and they said, no, I don't think so. Next one said, no, I don't think so. Next one said, no, I don't think so. Next one said, no, I don't think so. That's four. We got 1,896 to go. And finally, somebody said, sure, we'll give you a chance. And now the guy's about 60 years old, and Kentucky Fried Chicken was born. He realized that it's never too late. It didn't matter how many failings he had. It didn't matter that he had declared bankruptcy. It didn't matter that ha what had happened in his childhood. He knew that he had something that he could do. And you can read about him on the Kentucky Fried Chicken website because that's where I got my information from. With God, time doesn't matter. But you know, it isn't just about age. It's about all the ways we tell ourselves it's too late for us. We think because we've gone down this path and God's telling us to go down this path and we really want to go down this path, but oh no, I'm stuck over here. That's why I love the story of my niece, Laura, or Laurel as she goes by now. She graduated from college. I think her degree was in marketing. And she got a job with Nordstrom. Then she realized she wanted to be a doctor. But she's already had a good job with Nordstrom. So she moved back home, went back to college, got another bachelor's degree, went on to medical school at Wayne State, and today she's a doctor. You see, even if we've gone down one way, even if it's this is my job or my profession or decisions I've made in my life, even if it's our age, it doesn't matter. The scripture is very clear that God does a work in your life and God wants to do a work in your life and with God, time doesn't matter. That's all the excuses and stuff that the weakest six inches of muscle in our bodies tells us, the six inches between our ears where we think it's for someone else and not for us. And that's why we love stories like Abram. Abram was 99 years old when the Lord appeared to him. Because the second thing we learn out of the story is with God, change is always possible. And if there's anything that I hope we hear this morning is no matter what we believe God wants us to do new, no matter what change we need to make in our life, no matter where God is calling us or directing us, it's always possible. Because we get ourselves stuck and that's our own foolish thinking. That's why the second half of the first verse says, I'm the Lord God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Notice, Abram was told he could become a better person. Abram, you don't have to keep settling. Abram, you don't have to keep making the same mistakes. Now, trust me, he's still going to mess up, and he's still going to have grace that's going to forgive him in Sarai, but still the point is, with God, change is always possible. Blameless, this is not a word that's used for some kind of human perfection. It's actually the Hebrew word tanim, which means unblemished, and it's a word that was used for animals. And animals are not perfect, but being unblemished, there were certain animals that could be used for sacrifice in the temple, or eventually, because this is really early, in the tabernacle. This is what happens when we receive forgiveness. We're unblemished. God forgives us. We give our life to Jesus. We trust the work of our Savior. 
And now we can look at ourselves a different way. We can see ourselves as forgiven and we can leave our past behind. Because let's be honest, folks, the thing that messes us up is always our past. I failed here. I tried it. It didn't go well. You don't know what I've done, Pastor Stan. If you understood what I had done, you wouldn't say this. But the word is clear. We can be unblemished. We can have God's grace. And see, Christians go through their life and they experience the big forgiveness and they say, okay, I'm globally forgiven by God and I don't have to worry about eternity because I'll spend my eternity with God, but we still settle in this world. And the text says, don't settle. Let's not settle. Because we can be like Abram and realize that we can walk before God in a state of forgiveness. This world, unfortunately, too, whole, too often holds our past over us. Work can do this. Family can do this. And friends can do this. If you don't believe it, go to your work and ask for your personnel file. And say, oh, I didn't know that was in there. <laughs> We're great at holding people's past over them, aren't we? We take something and we stick it in a file and it's there forever. Or we run a quarry and our quarry comes back and we go, I can't believe that there's stuff on there from so many years ago, but that's kind of the American way. How can we remind everybody of every bad thing they've ever done? As if that somehow is going to inspire somebody to live a better life. It really doesn't. It just gets us stuck with all the guilt and shame of saying, oh my goodness, who knows what about me? And then we have our families. <laughs> if everything else isn't too much, trust me. I've been in enough families, and families are awesome for reminding everybody of everything they ever did, <laughs> including stuff they did when they were seven years old. Oh, you're just like you were when you were a seven-year-old. I'm 62, Dad. Doesn't matter. You haven't changed much, son. Only God fully forgives. And that's what Abram experienced. Because I can't preach you a message to tell you how to change all those other things. You can't walk out of here and say to your family, would you quit telling me those negative things because I don't want them in my head? You can't walk out of here and expect them to change it because if they're not going to change it, you can pray for them, but we can't force them to change. You can't change your personnel files, and I do not suggest you sneak in and take something out of your personnel files because you probably get in trouble for that. But I can tell you that God forgives us completely completely, and if we can get that through our heads and start experiencing that in every part of our life, we can start doing the things that God's calling you to do. Do I get an amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. That's what's great about being a believer and a follower of Christ. And so if you're holding something against someone else, please stop doing it because God doesn't want you to do it. And if you're letting somebody else rent space in your head, please tell me how much money they're paying you because I don't think they're giving you enough money. And I've yet to find anybody who actually is getting any money for that space they're renting in their head. And yet we let them do it. That's why I like the story of the little girl who talked to Jesus and she went to a Christian school. She's like a second grader. She talked to her teacher and they were talking about prayer and she blurted out in class, oh, I don't only talk to Jesus, he talks to me. To which the teacher said, well, you mean you read the Bible and Jesus talks to me? She goes, oh, no, Jesus talks to me directly. The teacher said, no, that couldn't happen. Finally, he calls the little girl after school. He says, could we sit down and talk? Like, are you hearing voices? She goes, no, Jesus just talks to me. 
And he says, okay. If that's the case, there's something from my past that nobody knows but God. I want you to go and ask him tonight, and I want Jesus to tell you what it is. And tomorrow, I want you to come here and tell me exactly what it was. Because if you hear from Jesus, he certainly knows it. So she says, absolutely. The next day, school happens after school. He calls her in, and he says, did Jesus talk to you last night? She said, absolutely. He said, did you ask him what I did wrong? She said, oh, yes, I did. (laughs) And what did Jesus tell you? He said he can't remember. (laughs) Jesus forgives us. As far as the east is from the west, let's live that, folks. Let's realize we have a new day. Let's make the change. Let's not let this stuff hold us because it's not supposed to. That's why Abram was 99 years old. And that's why the last thing we learn from our text is not only with God time doesn't matter, not only with God is change always possible, but with God blessings multiply. We settle. God doesn't want us to settle. We think God can only do so much, and God says, test me and try me. Verse 2, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may what? Multiply you greatly. May what? Multiply you greatly. Notice, God had more in store for Abram. Way more than he thought. He thought, my time's behind me. My opportunities are over. But God says, oh no, I will, bareth. We talked about that last week. It's a word that means cut. It's used for a covenant or a contract. It's a contract not based on us, but on God. And isn't that a good thing? Because if God's covenant with us was based on us, we mess it up all the time. But the covenant from God to us is based on God's faithfulness to us. To give you another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. That's only four. I got 1,896 to go on this also. You see, we limit God. And then we just hope for addition. We just hope that, okay, maybe God will add one good thing to my life. But God exceeds our expectations and multiplies. God doesn't just add to your life. God multiplies to your life. God doesn't just do something good when we trust him. God does amazing, far beyond anything we can imagine, which is why we believe here it doesn't matter what our past is. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what we've messed up with. If you don't believe it, ask Angelica, who's a youth leader this weekend for Faith Community Church in our Monadnock trip. Ask her about her past. She shared it, and it's on your website. She's had enough things that she's messed up with in her life, and nobody cares. And when I talk to her some days, I say, Angelica, none of us care. All we care is what an awesome woman you are. And she goes, why did you ask me to be a youth leader? Because you're great. Because look what God's doing in your life. That's who God is. She got to go to Monadnock and almost got slimed. And most of us were praying that she was going to get slimed because she represented 50% of the youth who were there because she was their team leader. And we were all praying, please, God, let Angelica get slimed. 
But the other team leader did, unfortunately. But she understands the blessing that's flowing out of her life towards others. And she texted me and said, I can't believe how much I'm able to help other people this weekend. Exactly. That's what God wants to do in your life. Not just add to your life, but multiply your life. Not just make you good for yourself or good to solve something in your life, but so that His Spirit could flow through you and it could be multiplied over and over to touch people's lives and make a difference in this world. I had a rough week this week. If any of you paid any attention to the news, the whole denomination stuff really can be painful when you're a pastor. Because you just love your congregation and create what we have in our local church. And truthfully, we don't want to be defined by anybody else. We want to live how the Holy Spirit wants us to live here. And do God's work here. And so, I sat down and I said, you know what? I need to focus on something different. So I pulled out old Apple, not the kind that my wife wants me to eat, but the kind that is a computer. And I opened up Google, and I started looking things up. And I thought, I wonder, and I started thinking about other communities when I'd, where I'd been a pastor. And I started wondering what had happened, so I texted in names of different places just to get myself to think about something different. And I started di- typing dates. You know, like I was in Lincoln, Rhode Island during the 90s, so I typed in stuff to see what I could read about that. And for some reason, I typed my name in and the term Lowell. And up popped something that was really quite encouraging. It was on the Habitat for Humanity website in Lowell. And it said, in 1989, a young pastor fresh out of seminary named Stan Cushing came up with an idea of starting a Habitat for Humanity project. And he said all the cynical people around him said, oh, you'll never get that to happen. But he was a young, idealistic pastor, and he thought, why not? And so he contacted his friend, Don Holt, and the two of them spent a year going every single Wednesday to every place they could think of in town to tell them about a new Habitat project that was going to be started in their community. And then in the spring of 1990, they decided it was time to have the founding meeting. And they realized if they had it in a Methodist church, everybody would think it was a Methodist project, so they had it in the Baptist church in town. Regina and I laughed, and she said, yes, that would be St. Zare's. It was called St. Zare's because it was in the Zare's parking lot. The Zare's truly was called St. Zare's. And so dumb, silly, idealistic Stan Cushing, fresh out of seminary, started this thing and kind of quit for thinking about it because you know what happened that year? The bishop moved me to Lincoln, Rhode Island, and I sort of didn't think about Habitat in Lowell. Occasionally I'd say, oh yeah, I started a Habitat project, but then I read about all the work that had happened at Habitat, and it was amazing. All the homes that had been built and all the people who had been blessed, and I thought, wow, God multiplied that silly little pastor who came up with an idea and look at all the good things that happened that I had absolutely nothing to do with. That all had to do with God. Because after I left, another year later, they got their 5013C and there are other people who led that program and today they have staff and today they're doing refabbing or whatever it is they call on houses and they got one of those stores and all of that and it had nothing to do with me but it did have to do with the fact that I sat there and I thought wow God multiplies the things we do 
God multiplies a kind act you do towards someone. You see someone in the grocery store and you don't know what else to do, but you just say, hey, have a nice day. You don't know what that person's going through. That can change their day, their kid's day, everything else. Do you know what I love to do when I see a parent who struggles with their kids? I love to walk up to them and say, isn't it awesome being a parent? It's the most wonderful and awful thing a person can take on. You are doing great as a parent. Just encourage people because the scripture tells us that God doesn't add to you. He multiplies to you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit and that's the message of our text. Because when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Lord God Almighty. You can change. You have a new opportunity today. Now you can be blameless. Walk before me that I may make my covenant with you based not on you being good, but based on the fact that I'm God and I will be faithful. And remember this, as a forgiven person, as a person with a new opportunity, because Jesus Christ died on the cross for every single one of us to forgive us that we can live into that and be changed and have our lives renewed Now, he says, I will multiply. I will do further and more than you can imagine. God has so much more for each one of us than we can imagine. So as we end, I want to challenge you with three things. Commit to putting Christ first in your life. Commit to putting Christ first in your life. Then write down where you want your life to be in a year from now, three years from now, and five years from now. Dream big. Where would I like God to have me three years from now? What do I want five years from now? Stay consistent. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Stay consistent and watch the miracle happen. Because that's what the text is about. That God will do beyond anything that we can comprehend God will change and transform and do more than we can imagine. This morning, we're ending our service with that wonderful hymn, Here I Am, Lord. As Debbie comes forward to get ready for us to sing it, certainly can turn in your hymnals. It'll also be projected before you. I'm going to also invite Alona to come forward and share with us just an opportunity for us to gather together for prayer. As we take a moment, as we take a moment just to reflect upon the words that the Holy Spirit just filled us with this morning, to come to a point of deep reflection. And as we pray, We pray that the words that Pastor Stan spoke to us resonated deep within our soul, a reminder of God's continuing blessing upon our life, his continuous holding us in his everlasting hands, and at the same time asking us and reminding us that in faith, We too can receive this blessing. We too can have his grace multiplied in our lives, in all areas, in all things. We were forgiven. We are loved. And he calls us to come forward. 
that someone right now might need a, a blessing in their life. They might need a, an extra hand just to be laid upon them. And I call to the congregation that if Pastor Stan's words and the Holy Spirit just stirred within you, and that there are us that would love to have this opportunity to pray with you, to touch you. As we listen to the music and the introduction to our song, just if you feel that God is just calling you to come forward, that he's calling you and saying, I love you, you are forgiven. I wish to continue multiplying my blessing on your life. This is, this is that time, that moment. You were loved. 